Right, we might be starting a new series. To be continued. It's often used at the end of TV programmes, films. Suggest the story isn't over, there's more to come. There's another episode or episodes or a billion series or another film to come. A sequel will be coming. Now, sequels can often have a bad reputation. It's not as good as the original. They're just milking the success of the first one. They should have just stopped while they were ahead. Now, of course, sometimes that's true. Some sequels are pretty terrible. But I think there's quite a lot of good sequels. Even some that I would argue are better than the original. I'm not sure I'm going to be entirely popular with all of these. I would, I would hold to the fact that Shrek 2 is better than Shrek 1. I got, I got a yes from over there. I got a lot of restroom. I would hold that Die Hard 2 is better than Die Hard 1. I got more yeses there. I think Anna would hold to the fact that Frozen 2 is better than Frozen. <laughs> yeah, that, that really high bar was then over. That, anyway. But of course, there's a mixed bag when it comes to sequels. I'm not going with any dodgy ones, unless you thought those were dodgy ones. But we are launching today into a continuing story, and there is no do danger of a dodgy sequel here. There's no sense that they should have started at the first part. And in fact, true to the form of to be continued and different things like that, we have had a sneak peek into this already this morning when John came up to share. Because we are launching into the book of Acts. We are going to look at Acts chapter 1 today. Uh, I'm going to first read just Acts chapter 1 verse 1 to 2 and I'll start, tell you a bit about where we're going. Should have had this open. Acts chapter 1, where Luke introduces his second book like this. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. And we see Luke writes both his gospel and this the Acts of the Apostles or the Book of Acts or whatever we want to call it, to this gentleman, Theophilus. We see this also in Luke chapter 1. We see him very keen to write to Theophilus about everything that had happened. In Luke chapter 1, he says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. And with this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. Luke and Acts, initially written for Theophilus. He writes an orderly account, a historical, true, accurate account, so that you may know with certainty the things you've been taught. And Luke, as he launches into the book of Acts, as we're going to today, is clear. I'm continuing on 
from where I left off. Previously, I wrote to you about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he ascended. With the implication, now the story goes on. Now the story continues. Now all that Jesus is going to continue to do is going to happen. The mission of Jesus, the mission of the gospel continues from here and is worked out here through the pages of the book of Acts. And we're going to launch into that today. We're going to look over the coming months, initially at the first seven chapters, and then we'll see where we go from there. We might take a break and come back to it, we might carry on. And as we do, I hope, my prayer is that it will provoke us with these questions and hopefully answer some of them. Fundamentally, who are we? What's it all about? Why are we here? What is it to be the church? Because we'll see the church. We'll see the church born in Acts on a mission, the continuing mission of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the true reality of a hostile world, the church on a mission by the power of the Spirit in the reality of a hostile world. Luke's laying it out here. This is a historical account of what happened, but for us, it's also a call to join in. A call to get involved. It's a continuation of what Jesus began to do and teach and in a real sense, that continuation is continuing now. We are the church, continuing his mission by the power of the Holy Spirit in the reality of a hostile world. So this, moment we are gonna, this morning, we are going to focus on Acts 1, 1 to 11. Now, kids, I'm going to do my Chris Chart bit again. It's, it's my bit. I just like to try and emulate Charty somehow. <laughs> exactly. We're going to be looking at these verses in Acts, and what we look at is Jesus talking to his disciples and then ascending into heaven, going back into heaven to be with his Father. I encourage you to listen to this. We're being drawn to focus our eyes back on Jesus. And you might want to just focus on that. This is Jesus going back into heaven. This is Jesus glorified. This is Jesus, wow, look at him. You might want to draw a picture of that. It's hard to imagine Jesus going back up into heaven. But as we hear these words, maybe you want to draw some of that or maybe him talking to his disciples or whatever you, as you're hearing, might be thinking, actually, I'm going to draw that down or I'm going to write that down because that is for me. Now, to be fair, adults, you might also want to do that. That might help you to concentrate. That might be a way that helps you to listen as well. But anyway, we're going to read Acts 1, verses 1 to 11. Starting with those words we just read. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. 
He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered round him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky, as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Now, in one sense, continuing the film theme or the TV programme theme. This passage is a bit like uh, previously in Luke-Acts. This has been happening. This is, this is where Luke left off his gospel. Now, we, we're given a bit more detail. We're given a bit more information. But this is where he got to. I told you all that Jesus had begun to do and teach until he ascended. And he picks it up again here. The ending of his first account is now the launch pad into, his, into this continuing mission. And just today, I'm going to, surprise, surprise, pull out three things. As we just begin to look into this, uh, into this book, into this continuing mission of Jesus and his church, we see three things. We're going to see for, I've made them M's. If that helps anyone, great. If it doesn't, I'm sorry. We see an exalted master. We see a continuing mission. And we see, and I'll explain this one when we get to it, a faith-filled method. But firstly, we see the exalted master. Luke, above all, draws our attention to Jesus. Even as he starts the book... In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Theophilus, remember what I've told you. Remember all that I have given you. All that Jesus began to do and teach. The one, the Son of God who came down, who lived the perfect life on earth, who, who taught thousands, who performed miracles amongst you, who, who did all of this stuff and who went to the cross who died and rose again and now has ascended in glory. Theophilus, remember all this. All that for us as a church, we've just been gazing at, not maybe through Luke's account, but through John's parallel account of, of just what Jesus began to do and teach. All through John's gospel, this is what we've been looking at. Fixing our eyes on him, Jesus, the one who has done it all. And Luke, as he launches into the book of Acts, is, is clear here, remember, it's all about Jesus. 
the Son of God who stepped down and became a man, born as a baby, the incarnation, God becoming man, growing up and undertaking an incredible ministry. Teaching, healing, miracles, an arrest, a trial, a crucifixion, a resurrection, and now an ascension. We see the ascension. Luke starts again here, telling this again. Jesus, the one I told you all about before, he has ascended to the right hand of the Father. He's the king exalted to the highest place, given the name above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow. This is where Luke starts. Back here again, Jesus talking to his disciples and then ascending into glory. Remember, it's all about him. See him, the exalted master, the exalted king, the exalted saviour, ascended on high. This is who we're here for. This is who we serve and who we live for. This is the one who has saved us out of our helpless, sinful state. It's all about him. The king, seated in glory, ascended. This is where Luke starts with an exalted master. But he goes on to tell us in these verses about the continuing mission. As he starts, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Well, now what? Well, now what is the book of Acts? It's the continuation of what Jesus is doing. But Jesus is gone, hasn't he? That's what we've just read. That's what we see. Jesus has ascended into heaven. He's, it's complete. It's done. It's a glorious conclusion. The, the king who became, the, the God who became man, who lived a perfect life, who died and rose again, is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Yes, in one sense, that is a glorious completion. It is awesome. Yet the mission of the kingdom goes on. Jesus' mission goes on. It's not over. See, Luke points us to his continuing mission, and if I can reference even more ridiculous bad old TV, I, I'm immediately drawn to the introduction to Star Trek. Of course. Who isn't? Probably most of you. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship. And I'm getting lots of blank faces. I should stop, shouldn't I? I'm carrying on. Of the starship Enterprise. It's continuing mission to explore strange new worlds. I don't know where this voice has come from. To seek out new life and new civilizations. And grammar experts are going mad, aren't they? I think, or maybe they're not. Maybe they've resolved on this issue. I can't remember. To boldly go where no one has gone before. The Starship Enterprise, it's continuing mission. The crew might have changed, anything might have changed, but this is an ongoing mission. This is what's happening here. Jesus' mission is continuing. Jesus is continuing to work. The book of Acts is this story of his, this continuing mission. The word of God going forth. 
spreading across Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth by the power of the Holy Spirit to bring the Father's gift of salvation to all who will receive it. But how? Jesus has ascended. He's gone, right? But this is his continuing mission through his disciples, through his body, the church. Luke tells us in these verses even how Jesus has prepared and commissioned his disciples. In verses 3 to 8, he, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And a couple of verses later, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He's commissioned them. He's prepared them. And this is what we see. This is what we'll see as we look through these pages, as we look through these chapters. The mission of Jesus continued through his body, the church. Yes, the first apostles, but the church being established, the church coming into being, the people of God taking his message to the world. Jesus continuing his mission through his church until, as the, the angels they see allude to, until his return, until he comes back again. This isn't over. This isn't the end. It is finished. Yes, salvation has been won. But the kingdom of God is spreading. The kingdom of God is growing until one day Jesus comes again and takes us home. The apostles here are called and drawn into the mission of spreading the word, of advancing the kingdom, of declaring the gospel. Declaring the truth that this world needs. God's salvation plan, God's kingdom and all that it brings, which is available for you and for me. We see in the midst of this, the apostles, once, the disciples once again misunderstanding. Verse 6, they gathered around him and asked, oh, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? It's what John read earlier. He has to correct, no, no, it's not for you to know the times or dates that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Spirit comes on you to do what? And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, Jesus, just before he's ascending into heaven, is once again lifting their eyes. Is it time for the kingdom to be restored to Israel? Now lift your eyes, guys. Lift your eyes. You don't know. It's not for you to know the dates of this, that and the other. But see, this goes beyond where you are. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
as John's just encouraged us with, there's a world that is his. There's a world that is, that is God's. We need the message of salvation. So the disciples are called, and we also are called into Jesus' continuing mission. That continuing mission that is still ongoing. In a sense, in one sense, the book of Acts has no end until Jesus returns. This is going on and on. Let's take this message to the world. Our eyes are lifted to see the king. Their eyes are lifted again to see the mission that they're called into. And thirdly, we see this faith-filled method. When I think of the word method, I'm thinking of a cookery recipe straight away. You have the ingredients and you have the method. You could talk about a science experiment, I suppose. You have the equipment and you have the method. Uh, it tells you what to do. Uh, I know different people have different approaches to cooking. You might not even have an ingredients list. You're just making that up as you go along. I can do that sometimes. I quite like that. Other times, it's good to know exactly what's going in it. And then you want to know, step by step. Well, again, I'm putting this out this gently. Some people really don't want to know step by step. Some people don't want to do it at all unless they know step by step. But you want to know. This is the first thing that goes in. Just put a little bit of that in, then add the rest of it. Keep mixing. Don't stop mixing. You stop mixing. It's ruined now. Do it. Make sure you... Sorry, you should have preheated the oven back up there. That... The amount of recipes where it says, meanwhile, preheat the oven. It's like, well, I've just done all that. You're supposed to read it all through, Rich. Come on. Anyway. But you think of a method. This is how we do it. This is how we work it out. With a recipe, you know what you're aiming for, whether it's this cake or this, some kind of food. Mine goes blank. And we can default to these two positions. I'm just going to make it up as I go along. Oh, I need the recipe and I need to stick to it completely. Well, we can feel both scenarios sometimes when it comes to following God. Sometimes we can feel like I've just been left to make this up as I go along. Sometimes we can have very clear construct. This is the next step to take. This is the next step. To, or we're just feeling like I can't do anything until I've got all the steps laid out in front of me. Well, I think Luke encourages us here. Actually, there is a faith-filled method to this. We may not know every step laid out in detail, but we're not left on our own. You've got to work it out. You've got to do it. And he lays it out here. I want to focus on this Interesting thing that he tells his disciples, you will be my witnesses. He's commissioned them, go into all the world. What's he tell them in verse five, uh, verse four? Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Wait for the gift my father promised. Wait. Why wait? Well, there's two reasons. The first reason is the one that's explicitly stated, you need to wait for the Holy Spirit. 
You will be baptized. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. The first part of the faith-filled method is we need to go in the power of the Holy Spirit. We go in the power of the Spirit. The disciples needed power for the mission. They can't go in their own strength. They need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. You see, this is the plan. This is the method, if you like. Go in the power of the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit and go. They need empowering and so do we. What for? To be his witnesses. To live for him. To proclaim his truth. To proclaim the gospel in words and deeds and wonders as we will see through these pages. Seeing miracles, seeing healing, seeing deliverance, seeing lives transformed. It's in the power of the Holy Spirit. In the power of the Holy Spirit. Holding out the word of God. So to be his witnesses, to see all sorts happen, to see incredible miracles and to see people respond to the gospel. And to stand firm in the face of a hostile world. We will see this throughout the book of Acts. The apostles going, the disciples going to different places, proclaiming the gospel and coming up against all sorts of responses. We'll see people put in prison. We'll see people killed. But Jesus tells them, wait until the Holy Spirit comes. By the power of the Spirit, they're going to stand up in front of a hostile world and face persecution and face imprisonment and face death. We need the Holy Spirit. We see through Acts a world that is hostile to the gospel. Well, look around today. And we see more and more in our culture, certainly here in this country, a a culture that has been for maybe for many centuries, kind of maybe positive to the gospel, maybe ambivalent to the gospel, now becoming increasingly hostile to the word of God. In one part, because the gospel is offensive. It tells the truth. It tells the truth that we are sinners in need of a saviour. We can't do it ourselves. People don't like to hear that often. As it says elsewhere in the world, the truth of the cross is a stumbling block to some and foolishness to others. But also the world doesn't like a lot of what this says. Whether that's about marriage and exactly what that should look like. Whether that's about the rights of unborn children. Whether that's about authority and the authority of God and therefore the way his world is ordered. Whether that's about all sorts of other things. Men and women, sexuality, 
We could go on and on and on. There's loads here that the world doesn't like. And yet, it is the word and the message that the world so desperately needs. So the first part of the faithful method is we need the Holy Spirit. We need to go in his power. We can't do this on our own. We go to a world that may welcome, but may be incredibly hostile, that may not like what we have to say. As Jesus has prepared his disciples for, the world will hate you because it hated me. We're called to be filled, to stand firm. If we look in Ephesians 6, talking about the armour of God, Paul picks up that, that wonderful sense. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Paul concludes his letter to the Ephesians with this, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And he goes on to say, therefore put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil stands comes, you will be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. We need the spirit, yes, for gifts and miracles and healing, but to empower us to be the people of God, to live day by day, to take our stand against this world, in this world, sorry. It will come up again and again in the book of Acts. I'm aware that in two days' time, we look at two days' time, in two weeks' time, we'll be looking at the day of Pentecost. And this wait for them is over and the Holy Spirit comes in power. But it will come again and again because this is so vital. We need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to go in his power. Because we are the people of God. People of the Word and people of the Spirit. Believing this truth and dependent on the power of the Spirit. So yes, they must wait for the Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit too. In one sense, we don't have to wait for Pentecost because Pentecost has happened. So be filled. But also as I've reflected on this command to them to wait, as we think about how we go, God calls us to wait sometimes. Why? Why is this taking so long? Why are we not clear yet? Why have we not moved forward quicker? Well, here in Acts 1, we see the disciples given a mission. Go into all the world. You'll be my witnesses here, there, and everywhere. Well, let's go. No, wait. Why? Well, they need the Spirit, yes, but... Well, God could have just poured out his Spirit... Right then, and off they go. I believe Jesus is also teaching them, trust me, 
Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Wait, in a few days, the Holy Spirit is going to come. Just wait. Just wait. And then you will go. Then you will go in the power of the Holy Spirit and be my witnesses in all these places. The second part of the the faith-filled method, be filled with the Spirit and trust him. It's very simple, really. The disciples were called to wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit. Trust me in this. Learn to trust him. Learn to develop patience. Learn to let him work in us. For us as a church, that can be quite relevant at the moment as we we work out what's next. How does this work? We're one church in six hubs. What are they? What do they look like? Where are they? How, do they, how, do they, how are they evidenced? If you walked in this morning, do you even know that we've got six hubs? What on earth is a hub? What is this word? What are the next steps? Where are we going? Why aren't we there yet? We don't really get it. But we've got a city that we want to reach. That we believe God's calling us to reach. And we see that we are a people spread across a big city. And we can see we need to be in this place and in this place and reaching our community here and there and there and there and there and seeing this is what God wants to do. So we have got Six groups that are meeting from time to time. Maybe on a Wednesday evening, maybe in small groups, maybe however, however that works. We're not there yet. And actually, it could be really tempting to go, why is this taking so long? But there's been some fantastic things. And this is a, a commendation to, to hub leaders and everyone who's been involved in different things. Meeting midweek, organizing, gathering, encouraging, strengthening, discipling. Different events that have gone on, stuff that's happening, stuff just getting into our communities and seeing, yeah, actually, we haven't seen this before, but we're not there yet. But I believe God would say to us, it's okay. Wait, trust me. Learn to trust me. Even when we don't see it, he's working. Even when the elders don't seem to have the answers yet, he's working. What is he doing in us? How is he preparing us that we don't even see? How is he preparing ground across this city and beyond? Across this nation, across the world. Really struck by what John brought earlier. 
but we're called sometimes to wait. Keep praying. Keep asking him. Keep getting into this. Keep going. Even when we don't have each step worked out, even we don't, when we don't have the step-by-step recipe, even when we don't know, actually, I'm not sure what the next step is, will we trust him? You see, this is the way. This is the method. Be filled with the Spirit and keep trusting him. Step out in faith with him as he leads. In Acts chapter 1, we see our wonderful saviour, an exalted master. We see this continuing mission, his mission to go to the ends of the earth. And we see something of this is how you do it. Be filled with the spirit and trust him. We see the continuing mission from the gospels into Acts and now the mission of God advancing here and now. And my prayer, even this morning, as we, as we begin to look back at Luke's account of this continuing mission, is that we will get all the more caught up in it. That we would have our eyes fixed on this glorious ascended Jesus. That we would keep coming back and asking, Lord, fill me with your spirit. And that we would go united as his church, seeing his kingdom advance in this fallen world. We may not know all the answers yet, but we've got a mission to go on. And there's a world to reach. Amen.